0: Passion and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, our two podcast. This
1: might be college football heaven.
0: Welcome back. Second hour is
1: here. We'll go to Lexington in a couple of minutes and find out what is happening with the nation's most storied basketball program struggling at home. Understatement. Let's get back to the calls and check in with Jim in Texas. So hello, Jim.
2: Good afternoon, Paul.
1: How are you? We are doing great. Thank you.
2: Well, that's great. A uh, couple of things
3: I to run by you. I'll let you get on to the next one. Uh, Constable, he uh, he
4: keeps looking down the rabbit
2: holes. For OC, Elmer yeah, Fudd's finally gonna shoot that rat. You know
1: what I mean? They're gonna find. I don't.
2: I don't know if you get my
1: correlation. Yeah, I think here. I think I do. I don't talk <laughs> Texan, but I've been there before.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and one more thing, i want to tell you, Paul. Yes, sir. <laughs> don't forget when you go east the west on twenty. I'm going to take you to get the best chicken fried steak you ever had in well, strong, Texas,
1: strong, Texas. Um, uh, I, I will be in Texas here in a couple of weeks. So I will uh, be letting you know about, uh, about my appetite. Well,
2: well, uh, if you have my
1: phone number, just call me. I will we'll go. I will look forward to that very much. Well, thank you very, very much. Uh, and you got me, uh, You got my mouth watering for some, the the best chicken fried steak in America. Maybe the world. Chicken fried steak big in other countries? Don't think so. Mike is up next in Florida. Hello, Mike. Hey, Billy. How are you? Very well. Thank you.
4: Hey, Paul. How are you? I'm talking, I'm over here in Florida. Everybody's talking about offensive coordinators in Alabama And we can't get Billy Napier to hire an offensive coordinator. Uh, I just wanted to hear what your thoughts were on that.
1: Well, I think it's turned out to be a mistake because one thing when you call the plays as good as you are, it it takes you away from doing everything else. And that's why I think even with DeBoer and the situation with with Grubbs, uh, you you don't need the head coach to call plays when you're joining a, a conference like the SEC for the first time. So, uh, I, I mean, listen, Napier is down to his last swing and, uh, you know, he can do whatever he wants. Uh, I, I think it's been an underwhelming two years and he, he, better, he better do something this year.
5: I agree.
4: Uh, you know, I, I thought he was going to hire the uh, offensive coordinator for Coastal Carolina
1: who had moved to another position, but I guess that never panned out for him. Yeah, apparently it did not. Hey, Mike, thank you very, very much. Appreciate it. Let's uh, check in with Sam in Tennessee. Hello, Sam. Hey, Paul. First
5: time caller. Thank you. Hope you all are well over
4: there. we are doing
1: great. Thank you.
5: Yeah, I'm I'm wanting to know your opinion. How do you think Michigan's going to do now that my main man Harbaugh is gone?
1: Uh, I think they're going to uh, go backwards. Uh, I think uh, not only the loss of Harbaugh, but uh, three or four members of his staff, including the defensive coordinator. I think uh, on top of that, losing uh, McCarthy and so many other great players uh, with with one of the most difficult schedules in the country. I think nine and three might be the, uh, the ceiling for Michigan next year.
5: Uh, all right, Paul, I'm a huge fan, and I, I'll let you get back to the calls.
1: Thank you very much. Hate to break it. Hate to, hate to break the bad news. MC hey, is up next. next. Uh, hello, MC. Oh, thank thank
4: you.
1: MC, you there?
3: Would would that be MC from Georgia?
1: Yes, that is you.
3: Hey, how you doing, Paul? Uh, thank you for taking my call. I'm a first-time uh, caller. Okay, thank you. And uh, I've been a uh, Georgia Bulldog fan since the way back in the 70s when Eric Russell had the Georgia Bulldogs defense shave their heads and call themselves the Young Dogs. Uh, I grew up in Western North Carolina with the University of North Carolina, so when it comes basketball season, I kind of believe Tar Hill Blue. But I wanted to make a statement about Cal Perry up at uh, Kentucky. I have respect for the Kentucky program, uh, but. If you recall back when uh, Bobby Knight made a statement when Kentucky first uh, hired Calipari, he said eventually Calipari would uh, ruin that program. And I think that he ran off of uh, the legend and the recruiting that Kentucky had uh, been known for. And uh, I just wanted to make a statement of that, just to try to remind people that... uh, really good coach up in when Bobby Knight was a lot, had made a uh, statement that uh, uh, Calipari may eventually ruin that program. And I hate to see it because I, I'm a huge basketball fan as well. and But when it comes to football, I'm a big Georgia fan. So married a lady from Georgia. So anyway... Let pause. that you call Thank you very
1: much. Yeah, I mean, the the thing with Calipari is getting really troubling, and and I I'm, I'm, about, I'm, I'm I've been wrong on Calipari every year for some reason. I look at what he does. I look at his career. I see the talent, and I think he's going to get to the Final Four. And every March, uh, I'm proven wrong. And right now, it's it, it, the season is a long way from being over, to state the obvious. But this losing streak at home is very troubling uh the schedule is difficult the rest of the way they've got seven losses they've got three straight at home their 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 ranking uh, from a seating standpoint is going down by the second and with a few more losses ahead uh, there's a lot of there's a great there's a lot of concern right now kentucky is probably going to have to play on thursday in the sec tournament something that is incredibly rare and uh, the pressure is going to build. Bill is up next in St. Louis. Hello, Bill. Hi, Mr. Feinbaum. I hope you're doing well. We are, thank you.
4: Uh, I I have a question for you. How did the NCAA get to be where they are? I mean, how how did they um, manage to take over college sports in the first place? Who put them in charge?
1: Well, and, you know, it, go, think- it, goes, it goes back a long way, but uh, any, any organization needs a governing body, whether you're the, uh, the Catholic uh, youth organization or the Baptist church or a group of college, uh, college sports teams. And the NCAA took that role. In 1984, the NCAA lost a critical du- ruling with the uh, with Supreme Court, which took the football apparatus away from them, so to speak. Uh, Would it meant that they still had control over the postseason to a degree. They had legislation, uh, they had eligibility, but they lost they lost the most important things. Uh, they still own the, the rights to everything else. Uh, and who, who is at fault? Everyone, everyone that participates. All the conferences are part of the NCAA. So when you hear people say things about the NCAA, if you're the Big 12 or the Big 10 or the ACC. Those are all part parts of this organization. Can can a uh, college decide not to be part of the NCAA? Yeah, but, but what would be the upside? Uh, because the the money in every sport other than football comes from the NCAA tournament. So you know, March Madness, we all love it. It's a four week. Uh, it's a three week uh, exercise. And the amount of money uh, for you being in the NCAA tournament and advancing from the first round to the second, to the round of 16, to the final four is enormous. That comes from the NCAA contracts with television networks, just like uh, we, we do uh, in college football. So until somebody comes up with an alternative, uh, I mean, if you're, uh, if, if you're LSU's baseball program, do you, do you want to break away from the NCAA tournament? You just won, you won women's basketball last year and you won men's baseball. Uh, where, where are you going to go to have a championship if you break away from the NCAA? I got you, understand. Okay, uh, now, by the way, uh, having said all that, thanks for the call. Um, yeah, this decision by the uh Big Ten and the SEC a couple of days ago, people are looking at that. Is that a move to get away from the NCAA? I don't think it is. I think a lot of people believe. It is a move for those two leagues to figure out a way to deal with all these legal matters as opposed to depending on the uh, NCAA's night school uh, scholars who continue to get their head bashed in in every case. We'll take a short break and we are back with much, much more, including a closer look at the story in the bluegrass. Sean Clay has covered that program for years. He'll get his, we'll get his opinion right after this.
0: Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch.
1: You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This is the weekend in the SEC and some, some shocking scores, really. Uh, Tennessee getting pasted in College Station. What about Auburn? But the one that has so many tongues wagging. Kentucky losing to not a vintage Gonzaga team. This team fighting to get in the tournament after going for 24 years in a row. Third straight home loss. Big Blue Nation, upside down, John Calip- the Kentucky basketball team doesn't do the dirty work, and that's on John Calipari. That's written by a longtime observer, John Clay. We have talked to John many times uh, about football and basketball. And John, I, uh, I jokingly said to you we've been putting this off because there have been signs of problems for a few weeks now. Uh, good afternoon, and I, I know it's still uh, midwinter in Lexington, but what's the... What's the temperature uh, over at uh, Big Blue Nation right now when it comes to John Calipari? Uh,
6: well, it's pretty hot. I mean, we're supposed to get snow here tonight, Paul. They're saying up to three to four inches of snow, but uh, yeah, around the Kentucky program among uh, Big Blue Nation right now, it's pretty hot. Um, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, they've lost three straight home games. That's never happened in the history of Rep Arena, which opened in 1976. In fact, you have to go back to 1966 I said in my column before men walked on the moon, before Kentucky lost three games in a row at home. So, as you can imagine, under that scenario, uh, BBN is not a happy is not a
1: hap, or not happy campers right now. At least Calipari showed up for the uh, post game radio show this week. Um, he did. He John, did. I mean, I you covered a lot of college basketball uh, in, the, in one of the great scenes ever, but. You never want to get too uh, emotional because March is around the corner, but what's wrong with this team as it hits the, mo- as it hits the most important part of the schedule?
6: Well, the biggest, the biggest thing wrong with this team is they don't play any defense. They've dropped 124th now in uh, Kim Palm's uh, adjusted defensive efficiency rankings. Uh, they gave up 103 points to Tennessee. Uh, the Saturday before they play Gonzaga. As you mentioned, they gave up 89 to Gonzaga. They lost 94. One of those home losses was 94-91 in overtime to Florida. They just do not play defense. They're also not a good rebounding team. Gonzaga beat them on the boards 43-31 on Saturday. Gonzaga had 18 offensive rebounds, 18 offensive rebounds out of 37 opportunities. It's so unlike John Calipari teams. And Gonzaga did that against a Kentucky team that has three seven-footers. I mean, it's all very much unlike John Calipari's teams, especially his best teams. They were always good defensive teams, and they always beat you on the boards. This team has not done that. It's a really good offensive team. I think Kemba has them ranked number five right now in offensive efficiency. They're one of the higher scoring teams in the country. But on the defensive end, they've just been lacking. And instead of getting better it seems to have gotten worse. After the Vanderbilt game, Cal said, if he could just get the defense eight to 10% better, their offense was so good, he thought, you know, that that would set them up for March, but against Gonzaga, they were like 10% worse. So, um, you know, that's been the problem, ongoing problem. It seems to be getting worse instead of getting better.
1: What's also getting worse is the projected seed in the tournament. Uh, (laughs) It seems like by the hour it's going down. I think I just saw it at six. It was pretty high. Three or three, two or three weeks ago, and I realize these things are—we're still a month away. But let's take a look at where this program is right this minute, and and, and peek ahead at this schedule. Which a uh, couple of games in there are winnable, but I mean there are some brutal road games, including a pretty tough one at home. Uh, what what are we talking about here?
6: Yeah, I mean that, no, no doubt. I mean they have eight games left. They got Ole Miss tomorrow night at home. That's certainly not a bunny. I mean Ole Miss. Lost by only three at South Carolina on Saturday. Kentucky lost by seventeen at South Carolina earlier on. Then Kentucky has to go to they still have to go to Auburn. They have to go to Tennessee, the last game of the season. They've got Alabama here at home. They go to Mississippi State, where Mississippi State uh, uh, you know beat Tennessee at home earlier this year. Mississippi State, I think, has a losing record in the SEC, but they've beaten Tennessee and Auburn. Um Starkville is always a tough place to play. So, yeah, it's not going to be easy uh, the rest of the way. Uh, you know, another thing that's hurt them is they haven't been healthy. Uh, you know, they didn't have Trey Mitchell, six nine four. They hoped to get him back. He had been a key early on. But I'm not. People are saying, "Well, you know, they would have been better against the pick and roll if they had Trey in there." They haven't played the pick and roll well, even when Trey was in there. Trey's one of their better rebounders, but they did, they were not a good rebounding team, even when Trey was in there. So when you take all that into account, and as you mentioned, the schedule going forward, it's not going to be easy between now and the SEC tournament.
1: And I think I, I saw this correctly. Uh, the, right now, Kentucky is is in danger of, of not getting a buy, and pretty pretty good chance they won't. Um, that may not be the biggest thing in the world. Fans might enjoy an extra game, but Cal won't.
6: <laughs> no, Cal doesn't like the SEC tournament anyway, Paul. he loved love to him to get rid of it, but he might need it this year because they might need an extra couple of victories to help their seed. Like you mentioned, I mean, a couple of weeks ago or two or three weeks ago, we were talking about Kentucky had a good chance of maybe being a number two seed. I mean, they were ranked number six, seven in the country. Uh, and now, you know, with the, the recent uh, problems that they've had, as you mentioned, Lenardi I think has them as a sixth seed, and uh, so yeah, it, there's a good chance right now. That, I mean, they're going to have to pull off a couple of upsets if they're going to be able to get uh, that first round by. But right now, it looks like they're going to be playing on Thursday down in Nashville.
1: And and John, I remember sitting with you a couple of times this year in Lexington, peeking ahead, and there was I've, the, the last time we were there, which was mid November. I realize I'm going back in time. This season, there was a lot of optimism, uh, I remember. Uh, This felt like with that recruiting class, maybe, maybe this is the year.
6: Yeah, I mean, they looked really good uh, you know, early on in the season up into up through really the first part of the conference schedule. I wrote a column saying this team looks like they have a chance to be really special because they were so good on offense. And you thought, well, they get better on defense. They would get better in rebounding. Uh, they would get better in those areas where they've been weak to that point because it's such a young team. But I think part of the problem that's happened, and this I think I also wrote this, this has been a fear going into this season it you know team bat college basketball teams are getting older more veteran teams obviously giving them an extra year for COVID is something to do with this and cal as i like to say has gone back to the future with a team full of one and done type players really good freshman players how would they react when they got up against veteran teams more physical teams in the sec and they have not reacted well the first sign of that was i mentioned the south carolina game where they went to columbia south carolina played a hard physical defense held them to 62 points and really, since then, they've had a hard time against physical teams. Even though they do have three seven-footers, uh, you know, those seven-footers are pretty slender seven-footers. They're not big, hulking guys. So this isn't a physical team, and that, I think, has shown up on the boards, and I think it's shown up defensively.
1: John, predicting basketball is difficult, but, but you, you sit there at courtside. You know this team. You know what they look like against various opponents. I mean, realistically, what are we talking about here as we head toward March?
6: Well, I mean Cal said after the game, you know, luckily we have time. Well, I don't know. I mean, you got eight eight regular season games in the tournament left. You gotta be able to turn it around. The one thing I think that they they should get better can turn around, and that's the effort standpoint. Cal said after the Vandy game that he had told the team, if you don't dive on the floor, you're coming out. You're going to the bench. To me, that's kind of a red flag if you have to tell them at this point in the season, you know, you got to dive for loose balls. So I think they, and they, it seemed like Gonzaga got every 50-50 ball on Saturday. The effort part should get better. Defensively, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to predict that they're going to get better defensively at this point in the season. Maybe Cal will come up with one of his famous tweaks on defense. You know, the fans want him to play more zone plays any zone defense Cal doesn't like zone defense but i i don't see that happening cal loves its man-to-man defense even though this team hasn't played it very well i can't see him all of a sudden going to the zone but we'll see
1: not to get into the nitty-gritty but i will uh i mean there was a time <laughs> when when cal ran the state so to speak he got the lifetime contract uh I'm not suggesting much has changed because he's still one of the uh, most charismatic figures in the game. But uh, if this season continues on this path, what is the what is what is the read going to be when it's all over?
6: Well, I think obviously March is big. I mean, Kentucky fans judge the season on what happened in March, what happens in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, the last two years have not been good. They lost. They were number two seed and lost to a fifteen seed against St. Peters two years ago. Last year, they got bounced out in the second round by Kansas State. Cal made the comment before the season that the last two teams were good, but they weren't Kentucky good. You thought this team had a chance to be Kentucky good. We'll see if they're Kentucky good in the tournament. If they make it to the second weekend, Sweet 16, Elite 8, I think that will, you know, um, throw some water on the flames, kind of make things cool down a little bit. If they get knocked out in the first uh, weekend of the tournament again, uh, fans are not going to be happy. I think Cal, his winning percentage, uh, his last five years is down to 65%. If you compare that to Tubby Smith, who a lot of people couldn't wait to run out of here, five years. I think Tubby's was up over 70% uh, his last five years. So a lot depends on March. And of course, the other problem is he does have some one and done guys who probably will go on to the pros. So he's not going to get a lot of those guys back. So it's going to be another situation next year of starting all over with a young freshman team. And uh, fans are not crazy about that idea either. But we'll see what happens. What kind of run they make in the NCAA tournament, I think, will depend will will define how this team is remembered and how feel, people feel about John Calipari.
1: I remember time john as you do when falling short of the final four seemed like a disaster now it's eh, have a good run uh, maybe get to the sweet 16.
6: <laughs> yeah that's true i mean that's kind of the way it's been since 2015. they got to the Elite eight in 2017 2019 but lost uh but you know the results since then obviously no tournament in 2020 kentucky did have a good team they had a chance of making the final four that year but the results since then have not been good so Uh, Yeah, like I said, they want to go to the final four. Kentucky wants, I think what Kentucky wants, the fans mainly want is they want to be there every year where they have a chance to win the national championship, a chance to get to the final four. Uh, If you look at this team right now, you're going to say there's something, a lot of things are going to have to improve for them to have a chance to get to the final four.
1: I mean, the president of the United States approval ratings are below 40%. (laughs) Where is John Calipari right now in your state?
6: You uh, might be a little south of that after Saturday. But one thing we know, Paul, and John, John said this, Tom Leach, the radio guy, told him, at Kentucky fans, it's always DEFCON 1 or DEFCON 5. There's nothing in between. If uh, they win a couple of games here, if they go down to Auburn and upset Auburn and Bruce Burrell, the fans will be back on the other side saying, well, how come we don't get any respect? How come people don't give us enough respect? So it's always a roller coaster ride uh, with Big Blue Nation with Kentucky basketball.
1: Seems familiar. I used to cover Alabama football. Uh, John, thank you very, very much. Great to have you on. John Clay, who, who knows this program inside and out, and it's a fascinating program, always. We'll take a short break. We are back with much more. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any.
0: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.
1: We're back and let's get going here. A lot happening on a Monday. (laughs) Bill is in Florida. Hello, Bill.
5: Hey, Coach Paul. How you doing back?
1: We're doing great. Thank you.
5: I called you last Wednesday about this time and we talked a little bit about Kirk Street. and, but, uh, that's not really what I'm calling about. I think we
1: talked enough about that, but
5: <clears throat> I was calling about the Gators, Billy Napier. Okay. Um, maybe you can pull his, uh, what, who they're playing next year, but it looks like the, to me, they got a pretty tough schedule and, uh, I'm kind of doubtful if he's going to go back to another bowl game again. He's probably yeah, yeah, we have, we, uh, by the way,
1: uh, Bill. Bill, we have the schedule on the on the screen. Uh, opening uh, against Miami, and then Sanford Texas A&M uh, on the road at Mississippi State, UCF, and Tennessee. That's the first half of the schedule, and then it's Kentucky, Georgia at Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, and Florida State, and. Here's the issue. Uh he better have won some of those first half games because that that, that ending streak from November second on, nobody has a more difficult stretch than that.
5: Right. Yes, I'm not showing on my screen, it just shows my name from Florida, but that's all right.
1: If you if you be uh, patient with us, you'll eventually get it.
5: <laughs> okay, it's probably a little delayed.
1: Anyway, uh, I'm thinking
5: uh I'm sure the A D there we go, popped up. Uh, Miami. Don't know much about Miami's who, who they got no, coming back. Uh, but
1: they're average team, not great.
5: Yeah. Well, flora has got this new uh, quarterback. I don't know; he's supposed to be a hot shot, but
1: you that might be. be a
5: close game. They might pull that one out. Sanford, of course, they're going to pull that out. That's two wins. Uh, Texas. I don't think they're going to beat Texas. Uh, Mississippi State. Uh, that's at Mississippi State. They're going to lose that one. Open date UCF. Melanson's been playing pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that, a that, I mean here's the
1: problem. Uh, if you if you look at that schedule and let's say they yeah. drop, uh, let's say that uh, I'm going to am going to say they lose <laughs> to Tennessee and Mississippi, you know, Mississippi State. Right. It'd be a toss up. But I mean, that is not an. Imp- I mean, they could easily lose two games on the first half. Kentucky toss right. up. Georgia, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss. I don't think they. I don't think, I think they're talking about maybe five straight losses there, and that 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 is going to be. Uh, mm-hmm. If he's lost anything before that, it's over in terms of uh, any kind of season.
5: Oh, he's out of there. I think he'll be lucky to win four, maybe five, but. Uh,
1: I think the over and under right now is five and a half, and. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean I, the only the only shot he's got—it's a narrow lane. If if this quarterback is as good as predicted, and he's so good that that the future looks Tebow-esque, then that might be his his only calling card. Right. Well, we'll find out
5: pretty soon after the first couple of games what he looks like. Yeah. No, it know? won't
1: be won't be a mystery, assuming so, he starts. By, by thought, the
5: way. In, anyway, uh, what I was driving at is, uh, I think the AED course. Has already got a list in his drawer, you know, of coaches to call. Or Billy Sexton. Uh, if he doesn't, Sexton then uh,
1: he's, he's derelict.
5: <laughs> so I'm sure uh, Napier's got Billy Sexton. Uh, AD's got him. Florida uses him. Uh, anyway, you might think I'm crazy, but I'm thinking about Malzahn, them calling up Malzahn, giving him a shot at it. At least, because he's got Jimmy Sexton, too.
1: And oh, yeah, you look, it's um, right. has done a good job of uh, with with UCF. But hey, thanks for the call. I will be uh, shocked if, if Malzahn gets the call. I, I mean, by the way, I, I don't know. Every time I talk to Scott Strickland, he's emphatic on his support of Billy Napier. So uh, I will defer to his uh, passion for, for Napier for the time being. Trey is up next in Tuscaloosa. Hey,
4: Paul, i got a quick comment and then two questions for you, as I may. You, uh, you said that that pregame was as long and boring, but, Paul, let me tell you something. That's the most longest, boringest two weeks of the football season. After the third or fourth day, you have heard the same thing from ESPN, oh ESPN2, yeah, ESPN++, right. Plus, ESPN++, ABC Extra, whatever you want to name it. And it's the same repetitive stuff just by different people. So it becomes so boring. That's my first comment. But, Paul, how is you, a 49ers coaching staff, making millions in dollars, not know the rule of overtime? Well, here, here's
1: my answer to that. I think the coaching staff of the 49ers knew the rules. They didn't share them with the players. And, and by the way, I'm not sure it really mattered whether the players knew the rules well, or not. See, considering- I'm not – the, co- the coach said, uh, Shanahan said after the game, they talked about the analytics. Uh, coaching staffs make that decision beforehand. They'll go, okay, here, here, here's the circumstance. They check with their data guys, and then they decide what they're going to do. The, the players didn't know the rules, and at times I'm not sure okay. Tony Romo knew well, the rules, but the coaches did know the rules.
4: And then w- one more thing. Paul, if uh, you beat me in a sport, and you're sitting there and you start cheering to, towards me, overrated. Is that not really diminishing your win if you really just beat an overrated team? Is that not what that's saying? And I'll hang it up means, listen to It you It does comment. mean
1: that. Uh, but, again, have you ever gone into the stands uh, of a football or basketball game and tried to reason with some 19-year-old who is uh, three pints of Jack Daniels into the afternoon? Let's uh, – Let's talk to Dennis in Oregon. Hello, Dennis. Hey, Paul. How you doing? We're doing well.
2: Hey, my question for you, I've witnessed the
5: breakup of the Pac-12 out here. And uh, as predicted, Oregon State and Washington State were left behind. And they've even had some success, Oregon State in baseball. Washington State had Mike Leach. My question is: What happens to Vanderbilt when the inevitable reorganization happens? They've won uh, what, uh, 12 games in the past five years, three conference games. Uh, what do they? Will they fall out in the future?
1: Dennis, I think that's a legitimate question that needs to be asked. Uh, and not only uh, has football been uh, inferior, basketball has uh, followed right behind, and that's the one sport that Vanderbilt. Used to be able to depend on now, the baseball program. There is still elite, but uh, the football program uh, is trending toward unwatchable. Didn't 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 mean we were going to stop for a moment of silence. But uh, I appreciate your call. We'll take a short break. We are coming right back. Much more to come. You can give us a ring. We have guests to come. We've already talked about. The Kentucky situation, Bruce Feldman joined us with the situation at the University of Alabama with the coaching staff, and we're back after this.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight... S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.
1: Ole Miss Mess basketball, Missouri. <laughs> Missouri women's coming up tonight. Logan is up next.
7: Hey Paul, happy Monday. How are you? Doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Hey, I was reminded by your last guest, uh I I was remembering that I had been to Rupp Arena before, but I wasn't there for a basketball game. I was there to see Pearl Jam and wow. They uh yeah, it was a great show. That that arena is awesome actually. Uh I know Eddie Vedder made some comment about how many uh banners they had in there, but the big thing they had on there was uh, they were selling, pushing at the concession stands. They were pushing Kentucky bourbon. So I think that, uh, imagine the bourbon sales are up pretty Yeah, that's pretty the one thing. Now. When you
1: land in Lexington at the airport, they've got like a whole bourbon store.
7: Yeah, I think if you don't drink bourbon, like you're looked upon as... Yeah, I was at a restaurant there this
1: bourbon. year, and I ordered something other than bourbon, and uh, they escorted <laughs> me to the door.
7: They said, all right, Paul, you got to go back on the plane, buddy. Um... What what I was gonna say, um, I was looking up a quick Wikipedia search because I was curious with uh I think his name is Ryan Grubb, maybe. I know his name's Grubb. Um Ryan he Grubb. was Ryan Grubb, right. So he was at Sioux Falls, he was at Fresno State, and he was at Washington with De Boer. So I'm thinking that almost Alabama almost hired those guys as a duo so am i wrong to be nervous that this well not I, remember one right thing now? uh as well
1: a year ago nick saban tried to hire ryan grubb instead of, i, I uh, remember was, that um yeah i know a lot of people are downplaying this uh they say that the boar it's his offense and by the way it is but i think it's important when you uh don't bring one of the key coaches on your staff and the fact that its we are now four weeks into this and all of a sudden the guy's leaving, uh, a lot of planning has already gone into it, and uh, with, with the demands of being the head coach at Alabama, I, I think it's a blow. Now, everyone wants to minimize it, but I'm just giving you a, uh, an opinion here.
7: No, I mean, I and I, I totally agree. I, I think that it's more serious than people thought. And I mean, the fact that we got those recruits on signing day, and he was saying that he was going to be the offensive coordinator. I mean, that to me, that's just disingenuous. I mean, maybe he didn't know. I mean, he probably didn't know he was going to get the job. But I mean, I don't know how he, he didn't know he was a, a shoe in for that job at, at with the Seattle. Um, so I don't know, man. I'm, 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 I'm a little bit nervous because I mean, after we, after seeing what Reese did this year. You know, your assistant coaches are a big yeah, deal. and, and, I and mean, Logan, I have... realize
1: we're a month in and the guy's busy, but it's not like, uh, I mean, you can't you can't look at DeBoer and go, well, hey, he was a great coach at Washington. He's at Alabama now. What, what does he do right. there? Uh, he was able to stabilize what I would say was the hemorrhaging of the recruiting situation when you lose uh, so many key players in the portal. He was able to – Hold on to one of his recruits, but man, a lot of
7: talent got away. I know, man. There's we lost a lot. Caleb Downs is a huge loss, and I mean, I was looking on the offensive side of being more like that 2020 team where we can just outscore everybody. And now, you know, I I don't know, I I don't know what kind of, I mean, I'm I'm not that deep in the weeds to know what who's a great offensive coordinator or not. I'm not that far into stuff like that. Well, but all you need that to know was is that his
1: first choice is now gone.
7: Yeah, exactly. So that's that <laughs> I'm I'm definitely concerned, and I think Alabama fans should probably be more concerned about that than anything right now. Uh, well, Logan, anyway, one thing hey, I've learned
1: about Alabama fans, uh, as long as that A is still next to the program, they are never concerned about anything. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it very, very much. Dale is up next in Colorado. Uh, hello, Dale. How you doing today, Paul? We're doing great. Thank you.
2: Hey, uh, so, you know, maybe it's not the best time for me to call in, you know, because I've, you know, been up all night watching Super Bowl, still, a little, you know, maybe a little bit hungover, but. Paul, why is everybody hating on Georgia, man? I mean, you know, it seems like to me like you, Kerr Herb Street, ESPN is hating on Georgia.
1: Is, is it? Hey, hey, uh, I don't mean the, to interrupt your uh, your sobering up. But I, I don't know where you I would like to, for you to regurgitate what you've heard me hating on Georgia. I defended Georgia last week against Herb Street. Uh, I was very outspoken, and then Herb Street came on the show the next day and gave his version. Well so okay so Paul who called who did Curt did
2: Herbstreet call uh, Raul or did Raola call Herbstreet Well
1: I don't know uh, Raul's father said he that Herbstreet called him when Herb Street was here Thursday night he said he he called Herbstreet so I mean if you're asking me mm-hmm. uh, to put these two guys on trial I don't know you tell me Well no I I
2: can't tell you Paul because you you know you're, you're in the business, Paul. Well, yeah,
1: I may be in you the know? business, I mean, but, but uh, if you think I know uh, when Kirk Herbstreit is telling the truth or not, I don't. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not asking you that, Paul. I mean, What well, we I, did here I mean, you know, was all, we, we gave him as a courtesy the opportunity to give his version of the story. I still don't know what, uh, what side of the story is, is what. Uh, I mean, do I, I guess in a perfect world, I could call Ryoa's father. But you know what? I really just don't care anymore. Well, right, Paul. But I mean, is it very professional for Herb Street to be,
2: you know, involved in the story? Like well, that? If, I mean, if the story, I
1: mean, uh, I mean, I've already given my version of it, which got Herb Street to call us. But, but if if you're asking me if Ryoa's version of the story is accurate, then no, it's not. If Herb Street's story of the, of the story okay. is accurate, then he would do, he said he, he would do what anybody would do.
2: Right. But I mean, you know, so, so you you know, you're calling a crew to, to, to be committed or, or, or go somewhere else. I mean, well, that, I, mean I think I think you know, the it, question it,
1: I have to ask you, what motivation would Kirk Street have to call Rioa and try to get him to switch from Georgia to Nebraska? Well, my answer I, I'm is I'm just looking for a simple you know, answer here, Dale. That's all. I don't need a speech.
2: OK. No, no, no. The simple answer is because, you know, the people are, are, are tired of seeing Georgia beating TCU by, you know, 65. And, 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 and Dale, and, why
1: would Kirk, Kirk Street really care about that? Well, because he, he wants to see a, a better college football game, Paul. I mean, you know, a, a closer game. I mean he, he you know he made, I mean, he makes $20 million a year, whatever he gets, whether TCU wins or loses or Nebraska wins or loses. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast.